Welcome to the Faith Renewed Podcast. I'm Pastor Terry Rogers, and I want to thank you for listening to this message. If you want to learn more about Faith Renewed, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Amen. Good morning. You guys look incredible this morning. Wow, unreal, man. You guys, turn around and tell your neighbor you look incredible this morning. Amen. Go ahead. Let them know it. Encourage somebody today. Amen. Bible says, call things as not as though they are. So that might be in some, the kids, that may be the situation. No, 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 no. That, that, no, I had to mess with you. No, but man, you guys know you look so good, and I, I'm just glad you're here. It is one of those cold mornings. It is good to come in. I hope you've had a cup of coffee already and just get ready to just enter into a time, man, and just the presence of God. We're going to open up the Word, celebrate what God's doing in the lives of some of our folks here at Faith Renew. But if, you, if you're here for the first time, we always just want to say we're glad you're here and just want to let you know that it could be in the house. It could be with you right there at home joining us on our online community, on our online family. So if you're here for the first time, we just want to let you know we're glad you're here. So Faith Family, let them know. Come on, let them know how glad you are that they're here this morning. Amen. Amen. And as Adam already said, man, please, yeah, get connected. Be a part of what God's doing. Registration's opening up. Those faith groups will kick off in a couple of weeks. We need you, man, to be a part. Because we just, again, it's just cool. We hear a lot of great stories come out of those moments as, as our faith groups kick off. And so, again, I invite you, encourage you to be a part of that. And it's going to be a good time. Um, I believe God's going to do a work. And also, don't forget baptism. Sign up uh, a few weeks. It's going to be a good time celebrating what life, uh, what God's doing in lives there as well. But we're going to do something that a little bit different. If you haven't already noticed, we've got a couple of stools up here on the stage. I'm going to be hanging out, and I'm going to have a few folks join me this morning, doing something a little bit different. Um, I was, uh, I guess, this week, um, earlier on in the week, I was just kind of praying and thinking on this service, and, uh, you know, again, always asking God, you know, what is it we're supposed to be, you know, looking into, digging into, diving into today. And so, um, as I, if you've been here the last few weeks you, in this series called Why, we've been talking about why grace. And I have been just personally unable to just separate myself from just how good the grace of God is. And I, I can't, I don't, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to, by the way. Like, I'm not trying to get away. No, I'm not trying to get away. But no, it's just like one of those things where I'm like, man, it is, it's just so good. And uh, I tell you, it's been great. We've been digging into over the last few weeks, looking at different ways, again, that grace, again, works in our life, uh, teaching and learning more about what that is and what that looks like. Um, but this week, he just hit me. It was, you know, some of those times, it's just, I just feel like really like, man, I just really feel like I asked him more than ever. And that was this week where um, he just, two words, just kept kind of hitting me in my heart. I was like, you know, I just like, I just felt it, you know, kind of like, Sarah, what you're talking about, you just kind of like, no, you feel that thing. And um, it was two words. It was celebrate grace. And I was like, man, celebrate grace. And I was, I was just kind of like thinking on that. And it's like, man, what does that mean? How do we, what does that look like? What do we, how do we celebrate grace? I was already asking God, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, uh, and so just, I really felt like, just like we as a church uh, today, and I don't know, just in, as he leads that, just take, take time and just celebrate what he's doing here. Um, I don't know if you, you may not even realize, like, the person you're sitting beside this morning, like, they have an amazing story. 
I mean, really, there's some, this morning, we're just going to hear like three, uh, three stories this morning of of ways God works, but you don't even, I'm telling you, you don't even know who you sit beside this morning, how awesome the grace of God is in their life, and and if they sat down and told you, man, just what he's done in in their life, man, it it would just, some of you just be like, whoa, he really is awesome, you know, he's amazing, and uh, and so again, I just feel like we're supposed to take some time to do that. Um, The word celebrate, it means to acknowledge a significant or happy day or event with a social gathering gathering or enjoyable activity. And uh, so I'm like, well, it's not just a social gathering. We're, we're honoring gathering to worship Jesus. But like, this is a time where we, we gather. And I'm like, man, I want to celebrate those moments. Um, and, and today we're going to do this. We're just going to have three this morning. And um, they're going to come up. I'm going to ask Regina to come up first. And as Regina comes, go ahead and let Regina know you love and appreciate her. Come on up here, if you would, Miss Regina. Just make yourself at home. Uh, you can grab a uh, grab yourself a seat right there and uh, hold that mic. And I, I, I want to just go ahead and let you know, this could be pretty cool because what we're going to hear today in these stories, um, I mean, you're going to see three different people, totally different people, totally different backgrounds, totally different lives growing up, totally different places of life, but you're going to see the same God. At work in each one, and and he's gonna. You'll see. You're gonna see how he will work in like so many different ways, and uh, how he can show up in this situation and 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 do this, and how he can show up in like that situation and do that. And it's still grace. It's still God's goodness. And um, and this. And I want you to know this. He'll show up in your situation this morning, and he'll 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 do what you need to do today. So Regina, I'm pumped that you're here. I I really I'm excited. I'm excited that you're up here with me this morning, and uh, I'm I'm glad you're up here. And um, it's pretty cool. Um, I threw this out in our Facebook group. If you're part of our family here, uh, if you are Facebook group, we'd love to get you in that group. It's a family page. It's just closed group, and I'd love to have you be a part of that. And I just kind of like, as God was putting it on my heart this week, I was like, man, let's celebrate grace. Who's got a story? And um, Regina was one of those who like she reached out to me. She's like, man, I never shared this publicly. Man, God did this in my life. I was like, that's cool. That's a, that's a great story. So, Regina, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to let you jump in and ju- just talk this morning. Tell, tell these awesome people uh, just about the grace of God in your life and what he's done in you. And, again, uh, we've told them uh, this is like, you know, 10-minute versions of these things, 15-minute versions of these things. So uh, we know there's like so much more and so many, so many more levels to this and layers. But today, share what God's put in your heart to talk about this morning. Amen. Okay, so it was 2004. My boys were 11, 7, and 4. Um, I wasn't feeling right. I went to the doctor. One thing led to another. He sent me to an endocrinologist who said, um, let me run some blood work on you, but we're going to have to remove one of your ovaries. Okay. Well, a week goes by and I got the blood work back and he calls me into his office and he said, uh, you have ovarian cancer. I'm looking around. No. He says, do you hear me? You have ovarian cancer. I said, I hear you, but I'm not receiving that. So he wasn't a very nice doctor, but anyway, that was on a Monday. (laughs) He comes back later in the story, but that was on Monday. Tuesday, he was gonna send me to the the gynecologist oncologist. So I left his office and I'm in the car and I couldn't pray, I couldn't come up with anything to say, but no in Jesus' name, no in Jesus' name, that's all I prayed the whole way home. So Tuesday, Joe and I go to the oncologist and we're in his office and he concurs, you know, you do have, you know, your CA-125, I didn't know what that was, my markers were through the roof, ascites, all these ovarian cancer signs. So he concurred and he said, it's bad. He said, um, you know, I had to sign papers because they thought it was in my colon and I was gonna wake up with a bag and all this other stuff. So as he's walking out, well, first he said, and I was, you know, he was just, he was a great doctor, this guy. 
So he said, I said, well, wait a minute. Um, I've already had three C-sections. Now you're going to cut me again. I want a tummy tuck out of this, you know? <laughs> and he said, well, you're going to be sick for a really long time, but I'll tell you what, in six months, if you're better, I'll pay for the tummy tuck. So as they're walking out of the office, and I looked over at my husband, whose face was just horrible. I said, don't worry. He doesn't know our God. Well, his nurse turned around and said, yes, he does. So that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I had my pre-op. Thursday, I'm going to the hospital for the surgery. It was that quick because they thought it was that bad, right? We're walking into the hospital to have my surgery. My mom was taking my kids to school. So I'm going to stop my story there go to the kids. My youngest was home with my grandmother. My mother was taking Thomas and Jack to school. Jack was sitting behind Thomas. He was in the passenger seat. For whatever reason, he moved to the middle, buckled up. As they're driving, my mother has a car accident, flips the car three times. Not a piece of glass left in the car, not a backpack, nothing was left in the car. Not a scratch on them. Not one scratch on them. Devil wanted to take us all out that day. It wasn't going to happen. Okay? So our friend of ours had called us as we're walking in and and now we go in, and Joe says to the nurse, listen, if her blood pressure's up, we just found out her kids were in this horrific accident. Oh, I want to stop there for a minute. Every morning on the way to school, we would pray Psalm 91 every day. So a couple weeks after the accident, the principal said to me, I don't even know how Thomas made it out of there. He said the roof was pressed down right where he was. I said, that's funny you say that, because Thomas told me he felt two hands holding him down during that wreck. Oh, yeah. So we believe in angels, okay? Yeah. He even has it tattooed on his yeah. arm. I mean, it was that big. Yeah. All right, so we're walking in, and Joe says, listen, if her blood pressure's up, you know, we just had this horrible you know, thing happen. My blood pressure was perfect. They bring me into pre-op, and I said, well, I see the doctor before surgery. She says, no, ma'am, you'll see him up, up there. He doesn't come down. Well, around the corner, he came. And Joe had written a scripture on my arm. So he saw that, and he said, well, I see you have a scripture on your arm. Can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. And then when he was done, I grabbed him and pulled him back. I said, now let me pray for you. <laughs> and his eyes bugged out of his head. Get him, get him, get him. So long story short, they do the surgery. They take everything out, but they didn't have to go to the colon because every slide they took out of me, negative, 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 negative. He, he couldn't explain it. So he comes, he tells Joe, and then he comes in the room by me, and he says, I, I can't explain this. He said, but... You don't have any cancer in your body. Come on. Wow. Come on. Go ahead. Give God praise for that. Come on. Yeah. Go ahead. Not go ahead. one. Come on. Amen. So, and this was such a sweet doctor. And then when he left, that endocrinologist I was telling you about was in my room. He said, let me tell you, we're going to send those slides out, and they're going to find the cancer. I said, you're cancer. Get out of my room. Now I'm screaming, hitting the nurse button. I want this guy out of here. So my doctor comes running in with the nurse. I'm, I'm screaming pretty much at this guy. because I, I, It's like Satan staring at me, right? And uh, the doctor told me, my doctor Pools, who was the, the surgeon, he said, you'll never see him again. So anyway, I was healed. Now, just a few weeks, no, a couple of years after that, I go to school. I become a nurse, and I work in oncology. Who do I run into but Dr. Pools? He's on my floor all the time. I went up to him and I said, do you remember me? He said, you look familiar. You were one of my patients. I said, yeah. And I said, remember, God healed me. He goes from ovarian cancer. I said, yep. Big hug. Well, from that day on, anytime he had to go into a patient's room, he would find me, whether it was my patient or not, and go with him whenever he had to deliver news or anything. And I would just pray with these people. He's like, I need Regina. We need to pray. Let's go. You know, and... And then I, I've seen people beg him, you know, he's like, it's up to God now. He was a God-fearing man. He still worked there. He's incredible, and I see him all the time. And, you know, 
it's just wonderful. So when I did run into him, I said, hey, I never got that tummy tuck. <laughs> I still haven't gotten it, but. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Yeah, but so. Yeah, my kids and me That's the same so day good. tried to take us out and didn't want That's so good. Oh, you, you asked for Psalm 91. I've got, it, I've got it pulled for you. You want to read that? Just declare that today. This yes. is, uh, can you, you got. You can. No evil shall befall you, no shall, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, let you dash your foot against a stone. Amen. Every morning, guys, on. on the way to yeah. school. Come on, give and God praise. It happens. Amen. Do you, do you mind just praying? Just pray. Do you mind praying over the families that are here? Yeah. Or do you just do that? Would you just, you know, sure. or, I don't want to interrupt. Are you done? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> now that you're finished, no, no. Yeah, but if you're finished, yeah, would you pray before you step down? I just sure. love you. Just declare over our families today. Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share your grace over me and my family. It's a long time coming, and I, I'm sorry. I ask for forgiveness that I waited this long because you are so good all the time. And I just want to reach out to anybody here or online that is struggling, not feeling well, has a problem. God is bigger than any sickness that you could possibly feel in your body. I'm proof that he heals. What everybody wants to tell you, whatever news it is, I believe the report of the Lord. I don't believe the report that comes from physicians. Sorry, they're wrong because my God healed me. And he's healing you too right now. If you want it, you claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, come on, would you give Regina a hand clap? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wow. 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 As Regina makes her way down, um, Heather is going to join us today on, uh, on stage. Wow. Thank you so much, Regina. Um, yeah, get on up here. Uh, it's, it's just, and again, it's just cool as I was saying, just, um, if you know, Regina's story, uh, get a completely different background from what we're going to hear from Heather and what we're going to hear from Jay. But again, it's just the grace of God. And he works in so many different ways. And again, when you see that happen in that situation, that's just God's grace. Nobody earns that, deserved that, worked for that. It's just, he's just good. And he was gracious to them. So praise God for that. But um, next up on the on the stage of the day, you, you may see Heather up here singing and on our panel from time to time, but uh, God's done some cool things in her life as well, and um, I want to—I've just um, asked her to take a moment today and kind of talk about uh, your, I guess, a why great story. Amen. Talk to us today, Heather. Let All us right. know what God's so, doing. Yeah, like Terry said, uh, I'm a hard left from Regina's story, but the grace of God is still the same. Um, so for me, my story begins. I—I uh, I grew up in church um, my whole life. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible school. We were there. Um, and I'm really thankful for that because it gave me a firm foundation in Christ. Um, and it really shaped who I was. Um, and it was always a constant in my life when everything else in my world was shaky. Um, my, home, my childhood at home, it was tumultuous, to say the least. Um, for years, I dealt with uh, issues with my parents' relationship and issues with my father's relationship with me. Um, I spent years raising my parents um, and constantly seeking acceptance from a father who couldn't even love himself. Um, I carried a lot of burdens, like Sarah said, that weren't mine to carry. Um, and that stretched out into every aspect of my life. Um, I really became good at masking issues because that's what I saw people in my circle do. That's what I saw my mom do. Um, we just pushed things down, and we, we didn't worry about them. And, but that didn't fix anything. It just made the cracks and the holes bigger. And so I was left 
with broken pieces and parts of me that I couldn't, I didn't know how to fix. Um, so fast forward, um, I married my sweet husband who dealt with a whole lot because I had a whole lot of baggage coming into the marriage. Um, and honestly, I'm pretty feisty, so he's got a lot to handle, okay? Um, um, but then a few years after we got married, um, we hit one of the hardest points in our marriage. Um, it was really dark. We lost a lot of relationships with um, other people, and then we really had to fight hard to save our own marriage because we almost lost it. Um, it almost, we almost got divorced. Um, it, was, it was pretty terrible. Um, but sometimes God has to move you out of comfortable places so that you can really hear his voice and you can really hear the grace that he gives so freely. Um, so we set off to find a new church and save our marriage. Um, and we tried multiple, ch- multiple churches, lots of churches, um, to the point where I was just over it. <laughs> um, and several months passed, and Sean mentioned Faith Renewed. He'd known you from youth group. Um, and so he mentioned, and I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to go there. Um, but I begrudgingly came, and I sat on the back row, and I didn't talk to anybody. Um, I was like, I don't like it. I don't absolutely don't like it. Um, Her mind was really not in a good place. Yeah, well, that's absolutely. for sure. Yeah, I was just let you know You're right. You're right. But Sean wanted to sign up the same day. He was like, absolutely, I love it here. <laughs> I want to sign up. I want to do all the things. And I was like, "Mm, okay, no, no, not so much. Okay. Um, But Faith Renewed has a special anointing for people like me, people who are broken and need a heavy dose of grace. Um, You see, I came into Faith Renewed carrying a secret that I had never spoken to another soul, not even my husband. Um, I had lived my life in an endless cycle of sin and guilt and shame because even though I grew up in church, I had never encountered God. I had never fully encountered his grace. I, had never, I never really understood what it meant for that he wanted to take away all those things that I dealt with, and I would never have to deal with them again. I never understood that. I came in every week, and I saw Sean go closer to God, and I wanted that. I wanted to experience what he was, what he was dealing with. But you see, for 16 years... And I'm a crier, so get ready. Um, I was bound by a pornography addiction. Most of my adult life was bound in this. And I desperately wanted to get out. But I didn't know how. It kept me trapped because I was so ashamed. I'd never heard another woman speak about this. Quite frankly, in the culture that I grew up in, I had never heard anyone speak about it. Anything I had ever heard about it was a man's issue, never a woman's. Which that only led to the sin and the guilt and the shame to take deeper root in me. But just a few months after coming to Faith Renewed, we were in a service. And honestly, I can't tell you the sermon. I can't tell you what worship songs were sung. I can't even tell you what the altar call was. But I can tell you that I heard the voice of my father calling out to me. 
And I came down, I sat right on that row right there, and I made my way to the altar, and all I could do was cry. And I remember you saying, go ahead, he understands. An angel came down, and they began to intercede for me, and they had no idea what I was going through. And didn't until just a few months ago when the Lord told me to tell this story. He told me to tell his story. Because even when the story is messy and it doesn't look like what you thought your story would look like, it doesn't mean that it's over. It doesn't mean that walking back through your past has to necessarily be a bad thing. I look back on the times when I was at my lowest and I can see now the hand of God in all of it. I never in a million years (laughs) would have dreamed that the woman who was so broken and so ashamed would be sitting right here sharing her story. And I'm reminded about where we've been reading in our, our Bible reading plan and about Joseph. And in Genesis 50, 20, it says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. I forgot this part. I have, in four years, I have not, I have not, since that time at the altar, I have never looked back. I've never touched anything. I've never looked again, ever. But the problem is I still had that stigma of shame. And it's time that we break that. And if you read in Genesis before this verse, um, a, a lot of times we use this verse and it feels good. But Joseph went through a lot. He wept a lot. Um, his life was full of heartaches and disappointments and things that happened, but Joseph understood that the past was a story worth telling. Um, and even though it hurt and even though it was hard, he knew that he had lived a life where the grace of God was at every corner. He knew that through his pain there was a purpose and that God would use it for his glory. When we invite God to go back and look over our lives and the hard parts, that's where we can see his grace at work the best. I know my story might be hard to relive and messy, but it's all about his grace, and that's worth celebrating. Come on, come on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's awesome. Uh, Why grace? If I ask you that, why grace? It rewrote my story. It it took me from this little scared girl who was living in shame and here I sit, still a scared girl, but <laughs> one who can profess his grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you. Just first of all, one more hand, because that's yeah. And um, and I said this last week. I'm just so thankful for you as a church, and um, have helped us create a culture, um, create an environment where we can be honest and real, um, because that's what brings healing. That's what brings our victory. Um, and, uh, you know, Heather's just one of the stories as to why, you know, we'll never quit opening up our altars in this church and why we'll never quit praying and why we'll never quit believing because there's so many stories that we've seen God do, heal, set free. And so don't believe that, you know, again, the lie that this is how it's always going to be. Well, sure in this bondage and that's how it, no, I, I refuse to believe it. I've seen God do too much. And um, so, again, um, she's, not, she's not alone in this struggle. Um, you know, we have several who have opened up, shared about their freedom. Um, in this area that God's given them. And uh, I just want to encourage you with this today. Again, the same grace, the same God who healed and protected is the same God who sets free. And, uh, and he's here. And that's just one of the things, as we celebrated 
this morning as we celebrate that grace. Um, it's going to build faith in the lives of others, young and old, male and female today. And, it, and it's not just a male issue. It's not just a young. It's, 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 an, it's an enemy. I preached a message a while back. It's the greatest enemy today. It's just sexual sin. And so, but God's a healer from that. And um, so uh, you, you feel cool praying? You feel cool praying this over, over us today? Yeah. Yeah. You see that look? <laughs> I think I know how Sean feels in. right now. I know how yeah. Sean feels. That's why I know he's, he's, he's that seen that look. Yeah, yeah. No, just, just yeah. declare. Just, just pray. Whatever's on your heart. Just, on, just close this out on this day. I think. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share. Thank you for this story that you have redeemed for me, Father God. I just ask God that anyone here that's um, dealing with this or anyone online, anyone who hears this message, God, that they'll just hear the ultimate story, God, here, that your grace is sufficient for them, Father God. And I just ask that you will just bless our time together. And I just thank you again for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you so much, Heather. Come on. Praise God. As she goes down, Jay, come on up here, man, if you would. Thank you so much. And uh, as Jay comes up, one of the things that I think God just kind of reminded me of this week is that um, for, for us as a church, as a family, um, I, I don't want to be the other brother in the prodigal son story. That's just one of the things that just hit me this week. I've just, that story has just been like hitting me. I was reading through the parables in Luke 15 this week. And uh, just, man, just, I, I don't want to be that brother. And uh, if you don't know the story, man, you know, the, the grace of God came in and, and did a work and, and brought a brother home, brought that prodigal son home. And, and man, if father does what the father does, he celebrates grace. And that's what we do. And we celebrate it with him. But that brother came home mad, all tore up and uh, frustrated. And uh, somehow, you know, looked at himself that, you know, again, that I've never wronged you, Father. I've never done those things. And, um, and it's just tough because you have one being self-righteous. And uh, in the story, and it's just as bad as the, the unrighteousness that the other guy was walking in. Both of them was wrong, and uh, and the grace is the answer. And I just want to thank you for being just not being that brother, but being ones who celebrate, who jumps in there and uh, and celebrates and dances and and you know and, and eats part of the uh, the, <laughs> the fatty calf. Man, that's what I, I, that's what I'm love anyway. That's good eating, and uh, he's you know and enjoys that. But it's just I don't, I don't want to be that brother. I want us I want us to look at those that God brings home. God brings grace to. God does a work in their life and never be like, I can't believe them. No, nah, man, I want to say, man, that is me. We are that brother. So, man, just again, thank you. Thank you again, Heather. Thank you, Regina. And Jay, man, if you don't know Jay, Jay, I love this guy right here, man. Uh, we got connected um, at, at the, the gym um, in Simpsonville, hanging out one morning, and man, just he approached me, and we just began a conversation, and I loved him from day one. And uh, God's doing some cool things. He come in, he's getting connected now. His family's becoming a part of what God's doing here. And, and uh, cool story. And, and Jay, I'm just glad you're up here, man. Thank you for being open to do thank this. You. Thank you. Yeah, and so talk about us today, man. Tell your story, and again, um, share what God's doing uh, and has done in you. Thank you, sister. Thank you. We all need that, whether we want to admit that or not. We all needed that. And thank you as well. Physical healing, spiritual healing, this is, is a great God we serve. I want to start with uh, Psalm 139, 13, 13 through 14, please. For you created my inner parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a very anti-Christian home, if you really look at the upbringing itself. So there was really no awareness of God at all. 
So I want to go ahead and ask you a question before I begin. Like, why you? Like, why me? And that was the question that I was asking well before I ever knew Jesus. So my, my mom is a pale-skinned, green-eyed ginger <laughs> from Gaffney, South Carolina. Her first boyfriend was my father, who she met at 17 years old, uh, a black man, believe it or not. His name was Matthew Watkins. Well, if anyone ever knows anything about the roots of Gaffney, it can be a very racist place to live. I mean, it's just it is what it is. Her family completely disowned her when they found out that she was impregnated by him. So she goes to live with him uh, and his family in Concord, North Carolina, where she proceeds to continuously be beaten for the next three and a half years. He comes in the house one day, proceeds to do it again, almost to the point where she, was, she felt like she was about to die. So in defense, she has to stab him, and she flees. From that purpose on, I mean, from that moment on, he was never in my life at all. So grew up without a father. She meets another individual who is my sister's father, who she was with for the next five years. Very, very self-absorbed, only cared about his cars. And what's crazy is we were in a two-bedroom trailer. It's not like we had extreme amounts of material. But it, what he had, that, those were his gods. At the age of four or five, I started doing something a little weird. I, I became a thief. Don't know where I was taught that. My mom wasn't a thief. He wasn't a thief. But I was very just clepto with the way that I just would steal from everywhere. And it just continued on. The first thing I stole was in elementary school, was four or five, it was a Ninja Turtle jacket from the guy's cubby hole. And I tried to wear it out. And it was long. <laughs> it was long. I actually tried to wear it under my jacket. This is it's just weird, right? So things just began to get rooted at a, at a very early age. And, and just like Sister said, uh, pornography was a normal thing. When he, he would lay us down uh, through the thin Luan walls, we would just hear him watching videos. And that's just what I went to sleep to. So you can already tell that these seeds were being rooted at an extremely young age. They go through a divorce uh, due to infidelities. Uh, I was around eight or nine. We, uh, we go to city to city, floor to floor pretty much, and I went to six or seven different schools until I end up in Greenville, South Carolina at the age of 11. My mom had us in a predominantly black community growing up until the age of 11, where all of a sudden, we were immersed into a Hispanic community. <laughs> I knew, I knew Louis would like that. I knew it. That's why I looked at him. <laughs> so the, the thing about this is she didn't, like, ease us into this thing. It, it wasn't with Hispanics that could speak English. It was not that. It was, it was Mexicans from Mexico who could not speak English, right? The culture was completely different. So once again, questions. Who am I? Who am I? Existential crisis. I did not look mixed had curly, nappy hair, blue eyes, very embarrassed with that, right? Wasn't black enough to be amongst blacks, wasn't white enough to be accepted amongst whites, could not speak Spanish, they knew. They knew I was not Mexican. <laughs> this wasn't working out, right, at all. So I don't really know what led me to do it for the first time, but at the first time, uh, at the age of 11, I, I did drugs for the first time. I got drunk, began to smoke weed. By 12, I did my first hard drug. By the age of 13, I was incarcerated in the Department of Juvenile Justice for five months. Came home, house arrest for three months. 
Every year from that period on to the age of 18, I spent at least six months in some form of program dealing with DJJ. I want to say another verse real fast before I give you the rest of the story. Isaiah 43, 1, please. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who is your creator, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. There was a claim already starting to happen before I ever knew that he was mine. I was his already. I just didn't know it yet. So at the age of 17, they convicted me as an adult, uh, SEDC. I got a one to six year sentence underneath the Youth Offenders Act. I remember being in court, the gavel slams down. All I heard was 15. No probation, nothing. 15 years. Everything went mm, just, just black. They, they take me uh, to the back, sent me in this little room, began to take me to intake of, of uh, and the detention center. I'm broken, I'm down. This guy comes in and he sits beside me, he says, shock, huh? And I was like, what are you talking about? He says, you got shock, right? I said, what, are you, what is shock? He said, it's this boot camp eligibility. All you gotta do is go to Kirkland and after that, it's 28 days in Kirkland, after that you do a boot camp. I was like, what? I didn't hear this. He said, it's a 90 day boot camp, man. I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Mind you, I had already went through a Marine Institute at 15, spent almost a year in the woods in Clinton, South Carolina, in DJJ. So things were already building me up on this path that I'm currently on now. I didn't even know it. There was no type of structure, no type of, of morality, no type of ground to stand on, but he was giving me exercise and things like this at a young age to start making my mind be able to dedicate to something bigger much later. There was a guy named Mr. Brown in, in, in that um, that uh, Marine Institute. I wanted to go and play basketball all the time. They would never choose me. I wanted to do with the rock climbing stuff with Mr. Joey. They would never choose me. The only person that was left was Mr. Joey. Mr. Joey was, was probably 65 years old, really big guy. He would just sit down. He's so big, his hands would just lay on top of his stomach like this. But he had patience, and he had uh, something about him. He was a philosopher. So while everybody was out there doing these physical activities, he would sit two or three of us, because it was only two or three of us who would actually go, and he would make us sit down, and he would just pour out just random stuff about philosophy and life. So I, I found this to be very, very interesting because it started teaching me how to ask questions, though I had no answers. Ask the questions, ask the questions. So now I'm in, uh, in Kirkland. What should have been a 28-day sentence turned into a three-month sentence in, in Kirkland because it was so overpacked. And then I found out that this boot camp that they were talking about was not just any old boot camp. Marine Institute was cakework. This was insane. They pulled us out. I was still smoking cigarettes and everything. The little bit of exercising we did was like with water bags. They didn't let us out. It was 24-hour lockdown. I ended up getting pulled into an auditorium, and they began to bust our tails. If you're going to puke, you puke in your jumpsuit. If you puke out, you go back to prison. That's how, this is how this was going. Somehow, I made it through. Don't know how. Made it through the auditorium. They take me to the boot camp for 90 days from 4.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. They brutalized me. My job was to cut grass with a hoe. It's called flat chopping. That was my job the whole time. So I didn't go to high school. I had no high school education. I stopped caring about school in sixth grade. I'm sorry I'm going back, but I kind of let you know at age 18 who I was mentally and educationally. I had none. I stopped caring in sixth grade. Two alternative schools, seventh and eighth grade. They sent me away into a Marine Institute, and then I didn't have anything. So I took a pre-GED test while I was in there, and somehow I passed. 
They were all blown away. They were like, we got to get this kid to do a GED because if he goes back, he will not graduate. So I did. I got a GED. Actually, during 9-11, right before 9-11 happened, I, had just, I was 16. I took an eight-hour test with all adults at Lawrence High School. So I go back to Greenville after that, and, and everything was all messed up. I was on parole after the boot camp. And, and I, I got off a year early, I mean, five years earlier from parole. I was just really good at hiding it, though. I was still doing bad things. I was just really hiding it. So then, long story short, my, my mom and them, they get really, really sick. Now, I don't have any males in my family. None. They're all dead. Zero. Grandfather, dead. Uncle, dead. Father, who was a father, 38 years old, he died of a massive heart attack. My mom currently has two heart attacks, three stents in her heart, COPD, high blood pressure. My grandma, cancer. Aunt is a, is a, is a prostitute in Gaffney, South Carolina, on, on, on drugs. I had no body. This sparked something up in me to say, can I do something about it? Like, can I, can I do, they, they kept telling me, like, the genetics are against you. Like, you're going to get this, right? My mom would tell me, this is just genetics. Whoa, I don't, I don't know about that. So I go to school, to Greenville Tech, pretty much homeless, into the health science program, and I graduated. Then I become a personal trainer. So then I'm like, I need to go to Florida. I need to go to Florida. So I sold everything, and I went to Florida. And this is, what, this is the point of this. I wanted to know, why did I want to tell you all this story? This is the, this is the point. So I was in apartments with a woman, and I kept trying to help her lose weight. And we would go to the pool all the time. And there was this guy there, and he was there every time that I was there. Rugged-looking dude, mid-50s, and he would just sit back and look at me. Look at me. And eventually, like days later, I was like, man, I'm going to have to approach this guy. This is weird. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a bitter guy anyway. So I went up to him. I was like, like, you know, what's up? And he was like, look, I've been watching you train this girl. I have, I have heart problems. If I give you a gym membership, would you help me? I was like, yeah. So he picked me up, and I noticed there was a Bible on the dashboard. Right? That's what I was saying. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I've seen this a million times before. Sold drugs to, to Christians. Like, this, this, is, this is, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, this is weird. So he never said anything for about, about two weeks. He didn't say nothing about Jesus to me, nothing. We worked out, worked out. We were in a hot tub one day, and he said, there's something I need to tell you. And I said, what's that? He said, the Lord has chosen you. And I just looked at him, and I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? He said, come with me to church. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to go on a Sunday. I understand everybody dresses up like crazy. I didn't have anything dressy. So I was like, I'll go on a Wednesday night with you. Him and his wife picked me up. We proceeded to go to a place called New Destiny Church in Apopka, Florida. And if anyone's been around any Pentecostal type of situations, you don't understand this was a mega church out there in Apopka with a pastor named Zachary Timms, who no longer is with us due to some, some pretty bad reasons. But that day I went in, it was a, it, cameras were everywhere. I was like, this is insane. They were sitting us down wherever. And so I don't remember what he said. Like, like she said, I don't remember what the message was. I don't remember nothing. But all of a sudden, at the end, I started hearing him tell me about the God that I may would have to stand in front of or that I would have to stand in front of if I died. So I left the church clock, everything bad. Now I'm, I'm 24. I've never, ever, ever felt nothing like this. 20 ticking. Everything bad is coming up. If I face him, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I went home. I rolled a blunt 
And after that, I prayed. I know that's weird. I prayed. Here's the deal. Here's what I said, though. Because there was up and down, suicidal tendencies up and down. I, I was aimless. I had no ground. Wow. I said, I'll tell you what. If this Jesus thing is real, you can have it. You can show me. Because that's the only way I know that this is going to work. I went to bed that night. God is my witness. This was mid-October of 20, 2009. I woke up the next morning. Completely different. Tasted different. Smelt. Things were different. Hearing different. Different. Death. Life in one night. Why am I telling you this? Testimonies don't end at, at salvation. They keep going. So I didn't know. I didn't know to talk about this 12 years or to talk about coming up to this. But I'm going to say this right here. All it takes. All it takes is you to be bold. Camacho was his name. He was bold to come to me. He was bold to give me the gospel. He was bold to take me. A bitter man, bitter dude. You may look at a person and say, man, I don't know how I'm going to talk to him. I, don't, I, don't, I can't connect to him. Look at him or look at her. That doesn't mean anything because come to find out, Camacho, the one who led me to the cross, was not only a womanizer, but a, he beat his wife as well. He fell away. Listen, Zachary Timms preached the gospel, and I'm not judging his eternal state, but he died in a very dark place. There's nothing you can or will do that would hinder you from being able to be the mouth or megaphone of God. So now my whole day, every day, the work here, the education, all of this is only a way to minister and to reach whoever I can. Because if it can happen to me, man, it can happen to anybody inside of this room. That's my testimony. You better look out. Man, I just, um, tell you're a married guy now, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, not only me. am I married, um, 10 years with my wife, six years marriage, but yeah. I have three beautiful girls. My niece is my daughter. Yeah. So I have three beautiful girls. So the guy who grew up without a father, as a womanizer, addicted to pornography, et cetera, is now a very, very, very dedicated husband and Come a on. father. So. Amen. Come on. Come on. Amen. Lord just said... Just because you didn't have it doesn't mean you can't be that. And so I just, whoever that is, I mean, just this is a day we're going to set that aside and we're going to say, what can I be and do now? Um, man, there's a whole lot. This story is, is incredible. So many stories. I'm going to ask you to do something. You, you called for Ephesians 1 yes, and uh, yes, 13. Yes, yes. I want you to do this. I want you to speak this verse over, this yes. passage over us, uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Yes. And um, if there's anything you want to say about that verse, say yeah. that. I want you to just take, take your liberty. Okay, Go I got you. The question is often, why? Why us? Like, why you? Why me? Why, why were we chosen to begin with? And also another thing, what are we called to do? Right? Are we, am I a preacher? Am I a teacher? Am I an evangelist? Am I a missionary? Listen, this is, I feel like this is what we're called to do, and this is what we have been chosen for. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14. And you also were included in Christ, you, you, me. When you heard the message, right? Now, it don't take you having to be able to read. You don't have to be a theologian or nothing. Heard, heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are called or who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Why you? Because now you are his possession. What are you called to do? Praise him. 
praise him. So good, man. Uh, let me ask you this. Why grace? Why grace? So 12 years ago, that would have been the most loaded question, and I didn't have the theology to back that up. I was like, I don't know. I just love Jesus. Today, today, though, 12 years later, 12 years later, I, I believe wholeheartedly that it is through the restoration of broken people that who he truly is, who he truly is, is realized, therefore magnified for who he truly is. That's why grace. Come on, give God praise for that. Yeah. Would you stand? Would you stand with me, please? And um, I don't know, just one of the things that um, as we are celebrating grace and these grace stories, um, I was reading the uh, parables in Luke 15 this week, and um, one of those is a well-known, beautiful story, the prodigal son. And um, as I was reading that, I was, I was like, man, I, I'm just so thankful again that for what God's doing here in the culture, again, that's being created, atmosphere that's being set in place. So thank you for that. But I just wanted to just like, as I was reading that, just, just like a reminder, never be that older brother in that story. Never be the older brother because, I mean, he, he was looking at when, this, when the, the prodigal came home, the father goes, runs to him, and that's what fathers do who do it right. He goes to him, places his arms around him, hugs him, kisses him, kills a fat calf, ring, robe. Great story. But the older brother comes home frustrated because of what the father's doing for the younger son. And starts making statements like, well, I never did this, and I never did that. And, and I was like, man, I don't ever want to be that brother. I want to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of them. Because here's the truth. The same grace that the younger needed was the same grace that the older one needed. Amen. One was self-righteous. He was, that was just as bad as unrighteous. That was that because it was his own way. He thought he could do it. And so, I don't know, just as the Holy Spirit has just been in this room, been speaking to us this morning and speaking to hearts, I'm going to ask you if you would do this right now. Just, just close your eyes on me. Bow your heads. And I don't know, just this morning, I'm just so thankful for the great stories. And as we celebrate those today, just really feel in my heart that he is, again, he's just building faith for somebody today in this room, for someone who's watching right now who's like, man, he did that for them. I believe God can do it for me. And what a, what a range from physical healings to deliverance, victory, to total heart transformation. Again, different situations, different backgrounds, different stories. Same God. Same grace, same answer, and his name's Jesus. <laughs> That's his name. And he loves you so much. And so, I don't know, just, again, grace, it's just a beautiful thing. Again, we could just hang here for you for so long. But today, listen, what is it this morning that you need from grace? What is it that you need from him? Your situation could have been called out, where you're at, your struggle, your background, your family, what's going on, your physical situation, whatever. But today you're like, I want the grace of God. I need the grace of God in my life. And again, it could have been completely different right now. What you're facing, what, what you're going through may be different than anything that was spoken. Same God, same grace, same answer. And his name's Jesus. 
As the worship team gets ready to minister in song, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. I'm going to ask you to do this. Just go ahead and begin to just step out and come right now. And we do this and we open it up because God moves in these moments. I'm telling you, we honor the Lord. Ask him to come. Praise his name. Worship him. Declare his word. And his word doesn't return void. And we hear stories like Heather who will say, man, God set me free. And from that moment on, never again. Come on, from that moment on, again, God, I met the real Jesus. My life was transformed right now. So I want to ask you just to step out. Just begin to come. If you need grace, any situation, any reason, whatever it may be, a physical need, a healing in your body, a situation that you need victory from, total life transformation, you need salvation, whatever it is, just begin to come. And as you come, I just want you just to find your place, get with God. And I promise you this, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be by yourself. You're not going to sit here and you're not going to be judged, pushed down. Listen today, this is a safe place and the Spirit of God's here calling you. He's calling your name. So as a worship team ministers and song, listen, don't wait. Thank you again for listening to this message. We hope it's been a source of encouragement for you today. If you need prayer or a lot to support this ministry through giving, stop by faithrenewed.org.